Listeners are advised, this podcast contains spoilers. Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts. G'day and welcome to the Potterston Tales, your one and only podcast devoted to the Toniston Tales. I'm your host and author, Aaron Ware, and I'm coming to you on a quite warm night here in Melbourne. It's been a very warm day, which uh, I don't tend to sleep with a blanket on a warm day. I'll just put tracksuit pants on, or sweatpants, as they'd call it overseas. Sleep without a blanket and then wake up really hot and bothered because I stupidly forgot to put shorts on before I went to sleep. So I've had quite a warm day, and in the past half an hour I've just had a battle with a big spider. That wasn't fun. And, uh, you know, in the middle of the night, there's nobody to save me. So anyways, we're going to get on with chapter two. I'm going to again apologise. I am deeply sorry for that terrible theme that you were forced to listen to at the start, and again at the end. Also, I'm not as hungry tonight as I was last night, so hopefully my stomach will leave me alone and not interrupt. I had actually recorded the first two chapters maybe a year ago, two years ago, and uh, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, so the sound quality is pretty awful on them. They are on YouTube for your lack of enjoyment. But I was sitting here today in the heat thinking to myself, Hmm, maybe I should just use the second chapter file again, and so I brought it up, and it was terrible. The The sound quality was awful because I didn't use a microphone, so hopefully this time I'll have much better luck and get past chapter 2, because last time I had recorded chapter 3, and again, sound quality was awful, so I never finished it, uh, but now I have a microphone. So anyways, I guess with a... Uh, a tinkle of music. The Tunniston Tales by Aaron Ware Chapter 2 Sharknado Leaping through his intricately parrot-designed stained-glass front door and forgetting to take off his black leather school boots first, Tunniston Turnbull races into the lemon-yellow kitchen to find the largest glass mixing bowl he can find. Freezer containers, a cheese grater, plastic measuring cups, and more end up on the black and light grey kitchen floor as Toniston carelessly checks every cupboard before being left with only one option. The large, unfamiliar cupboard high up above the fridge. He twists around, spotting the two cushioned chairs stacked on the newly cleaned dining table. He grabs the closest one and uses it as a ladder to scour the mysterious cupboard he'd never had the courage to venture into before. For this was his father's cupboard. The pearl-white doors bounce back as he flings them open. Ignoring them, he reaches into the depths of the unknown. Masking tape, an old set of keys, a bright green guitar pick, and, he breathes in sharply, an old talking head CD his father used to play on rotation. 
but no large bowls. He stops for a moment looking into the cupboard, but the pain of his father's death still lingers, and with that popping up in his mind, he slams the cupboard doors shut in anger. Snap! The doors echo a sharp sound throughout the kitchen. What was that? Tina Turnbull marches into the kitchen, her long curly dark red hair still bouncing after she's halted. After she's caught him red-handed, I mean. What are you doing in there? Looking for a fishbowl. A fishbowl? We don't have any fish. Stay out of the cupboard, please. Now, how was school? Did you eat all of your- The shrill sound of Tina's scream is heard for miles as she peels the flimsy fluoro green lid off the lunchbox. What in God's name? Her eyes wide open in shock. It's a koi. I found it on the banks of Moritz's Creek. Koi in the creek? You should have left it there, Toniston. I couldn't, Mum. Something was eating the fish. Probably one of the feral cats from the lookout again. This one was still alive. If I put it back in the creek, it'd just end up getting eaten like the rest of them. Toniston states matter-of-factly. We've got enough mouths to feed around here. So? He can have my scraps and leftovers, Toniston says with an obvious tongue-in-cheek. Tina misreads it. It doesn't work like that. Duh, Mum. Don't do me, boy. Now tell me, did you get in trouble at school today? Tina has an inkling she knows the answer. No. Toniston quickly states. Now Tina definitely knows the true answer, but before she can speak, her phone rings. Yes. Toniston states, this time with a slight degree of smugness in his voice, unheard over the clangy, old-fashioned ringing of the smartphone. I'll deal with you after I speak to your teacher. Hello, Miss Trish. Yeah, good, good, thank you. What's he done now? Right, I see. Once her focus has shifted, Toniston starts to slowly move backwards, hoping his mother won't notice once he makes a quick exit up to his bedroom. But she does. She points at him, clicks her fingers, and then points downwards. Toniston can only stand there, arms crossed, impatiently waiting for the explosion of stern parenting coming his way. He's bored of this. I did nothing wrong. Ugh. Uh-huh, again? Right, I'll have a word with him. No, no, that's a good idea. I'll let him know you suggested it. She shoots her son a disappointed look. Oh no, I completely agree. You take care. We'll no doubt hear from you again tomorrow. Bye now. And with that, she swipes her phone, ending the call. Stealing phones now, are we? Great, like you ain't spoiled enough. It was just a joke. He looks at his feet as the toe of his shoe traces the two-tone diamond pattern in the kitchen tiles. Right, quit the attitude, Toniston. Go to your room. She turns away from him, bending down into one of the cupboards. Seconds later, Tina slams a large plastic Tupperware container onto the bench. You're still here? Can I take my fish? He asks confidently. Tina walks over to the lunchbox, picks it up, and pours it into the fresh container. This will have to do until you release it tomorrow. But mom, Get to your room, Toniston. The mother says, clearly losing patience. As Tina turns her back, Toniston pulls a face at her. I can see you in the reflection, she lies, then shouts, To your room, now! Her voice rings out with a soft echo across the silent house. She stops for a moment, then breathes in deeply, before proceeding again. You can put some more water in there from your bathroom. Go on, off you go. Toniston's muscular shoulders drop as he gives up. He grabs the koi container and heads upstairs to his bathroom, listening to Tina's sobbing until it fades off into the distance. I'll try to do better tomorrow, he promises. Reed lies to nobody in particular. The next morning, Toniston carefully navigates the conversation away from the subject of koi. With any luck, if he behaves, he may just get to keep it. I'll have to take you early today. I've got a meeting at eight. Again? Toniston almost spits out his cereal. You'll be fine. Go and play with some of the other early kids. Yeah, that'll happen when hell freezes over. 
Tonneson scoops up the remaining mouthfuls as quickly as he can, the koi is still predominantly occupying his mind. Don't rush, T. You'll choke. We've still got time. Mum? Yes, Tony? She asks, expecting a question about the koi, but at the very last minute, he changes the subject. Can I... I mean, could we go to the movies this weekend? Why? What's on? Toniston holds up the local newspaper. An animated lizard sits predominantly on the full-page advertisement. Oh, Johnny Depp. He's my kind of hunk. Gross, Mum. Now I don't want to see it, he grunts. Tina laughs as Toniston leaves the room with all seriousness, leaving his now empty dirty dishes on the table, undoubtedly for Tina to clean up. Seeing a movie at the cinemas was something Toniston did with his father every Saturday, well, when Trenton wasn't away for work, which was often, too often. But every time they'd get an overpriced large frozen drink and a large overpriced popcorn, something Trent was vocally against but still paid for time and time again. Highway robbery, he would call it. But while Tina and Toniston Turnbull have since ceased listening to music together, they have made a tradition of visiting the cinemas at least once a month, with next time being Toniston's choice of film. Popcorn and drinks included. If you behave at school today... If you behave at school today, I'll think about it. Tina calls after him, not expecting miracles. Smiling to himself, he decides not to answer. He'll only say the wrong thing. He leaps up the stairs, two at a time, ready for his first full day of not misbehaving. Unfortunately for Toniston, that day is not today. By 3.10, as the gratuitous school bell pollutes the air with its tinny sound, Toniston exits the schoolyard with no less than three detention slips in his pocket, ready to be signed by his mum. The first, for calling his music teacher a hopeless hack. The second, after he pushed grade 3 student Mickey Dalray into a puddle of mud. And last, but certainly not least, the third, for dumping a container of cold scrambled eggs on top of Polly Princeton's head. Ah well, no movie, I'll wait for DVD. He resigns to his punishment. Shoulders hunched, head down, he places his clenched fist into his hoodie pocket. With his broad shoulders, anybody would be forgiven for mistaking him for a professional boxer as he continues along the side of the road towards Moritz's lookout. However, today he shall rush straight home, fearing the loss of his latest pet. Upon returning home, there was no loss. In fact, there was no Tina Turnbull anywhere in sight. There was, however, a stressed-out answering machine message. Have to stay back. The pipes in the kitchen burst. It's a real mess. Indecipherable shouting in the background. I gotta go. Just order a pizza. Beep. This wasn't the first time something like this had happened at Nan's Cookery, the homestyle restaurant which Toniston's mother managed. Toniston smiles to himself as he fondly remembers the time a wild roux burst into the dining room, helping itself to buttery pancakes as staff and customers alike freaked out. The same kangaroo that soon after ran into his mother's parked car, the dent of which remains to this day. Which reminds Toniston, as he snaps out of his daydream, the koi! Racing upstairs, ripping his school shoes off in the process, Toniston halts in his bedroom doorway, proudly taking in the large container his mother had lent him the night before. Good, you're still here. With only one step across his light grey carpet floor, landing bullseye in the centre of his vinyl record design rug, he leaps onto his bed, landing with crossed legs, his messy red-flecked ginger hair bouncing along with him. Watching the koi swim round and around, 
Toniston begins to slouch back against the cold, lime-green wall beside his bed. He yawns against his will. Startled, he sits up, shaking his head wildly, making a hoarse noise in the process. Don't worry, I'll get you a bigger tank once Mum finally says I can keep you. And with a broad smile on his face, he sticks his finger into the water, repeatedly drawing a circle following the koi swim round and round. Almost an hour and two numb arms later, he climbs off his bed, noticing a tear in his favourite snake-designed bedspread, and with a twisted frown, exits his room. Hopping down the stairs two feet at a time, Toniston's heart skips a beat as the phone starts to ring, breaking the silence. He races for it, picking it up on the fifth ring. Hello? Yes, hello, is that you, Toniston? This is Ms. Trish, your teacher. And? I tried contacting your mother's mobile. She's busy, at work. Toniston rolls his eyes. Right, well I- Toniston hangs up the phone. By 8pm, Tina had still not arrived home from work, and thankful to still have his rescued koi fish, Toniston decides not to push his luck by staying up past his bedtime. He normally would, keeping the house dark while he quietly reads National Geographic books in his bedroom, having long worked out that the position of his bedroom means his mother never sees his light on when she pulls up. Usually, the familiar rumble of her car alerts the boy to her arrival, but occasionally, she's had a bit too much to drink after work and caught a taxi home. A sound he isn't listening for. But this time, he has things, a movie, and a pet at stake. So, like a good boy, as the clock turns 8.15, Toniston lets in his cats, Berry, Sherry, and Terry, then feeds them and changes their water. He slips into his pyjamas, promptly climbing into bed with Pepper, his pet Whippet, and Sherry. The dog and cat take up most of the bed, but Toniston manages to half-squeeze his feet through a tight Z-shaped path under the warm blanket. Disturbed, the black-and-white Sherry meows at her owner in disgust, before returning back to licking the side of Pepper's head. The boy simply pokes his tongue out at her, then turns to the koi on his bedside table, yet again neglecting to read the next chapter of his homework book. Toniston instead spends his last five minutes before lights out, enjoying the company of his fish, for who knows how much longer he will get to. Putting his finger back in the water, and tracing the path of the fish as it swims round and around, it grazes against Toniston's finger several times. The slimy, scaly exterior of the bright orange koi tickles Toniston's index finger, making him giggle more and more each time. Stop it! That tickles! And without thinking, Toniston changes direction, moving clockwise to the koi's anti-clockwise. The koi begins to swim faster, and again, with a lapse in thought, and perhaps judgement, Toniston follows suit, speeding up his clockwise circle. He giggles some more. They both get faster. And with a third moment of forgetfulness, and purely in the moment, Toniston manages to grab the tail of the koi, dragging it backwards into his own clockwise direction with laughter, and sheer joy spread across his face. The fish, well... What can I say? The koi will never know that at that very moment, Toniston remembered the time. Quickly yanking his fingers out of the water, the koi, nor the boy, will never know that a small stream of fish blood trailed from behind it, creating a perfect pinkish circle in the whirling water. And the koi may never know where Toniston went next. Toniston, sadly at this young age, will forever regret that one moment of unadulterated joy for the rest of his life.
especially given his superb knowledge in the care and maintenance of animals. A simple lapse in judgment, a cheap laugh that cost so much. He twists around, reaching with his right arm, and flicks his bedsit lamp off. Not noticing the upside-down fish as he does so, then squeezes down into the bed around the rather heavy pets occupying most of the space. He yawns in the pitch-black silence. A car goes past. Nope, not mum, Toniston thinks to himself. One last thought before his eyes close for the night, before the tingling sensation takes over his body and he drifts off. One last thought before the red light slowly rises in the room. A dull red light rising out of the quay container. A perfect circle of dull red light. It rises up. The perfect circle of dull red light rises up like a translucent red snake being called by a snake charmer. Sucking up the koi with a <laughs> in the process. Reaches up to the ceiling, then quickly U-turns, dropping at, well, the speed of light. As quick as lightning, the dull red tunnel of light lands on Toniston, gobbling him up like a giant sandworm with a much louder <laughs> And then it's gone. Toniston too. But what is most sad of all, in my humble opinion, is that young Toniston will never know that at that very moment, both Sherry and Pepper leapt to their feet, howling as the dull red light quickly sprung its way back into the makeshift fishbowl, nor that mere seconds later, every dog, cat, bird, fox, kangaroo, koala, possum and dingo within earshot began howling for the loss of their favourite ten-year-old ginger kid. Alrighty, so that was chapter two, Sharknado, which I still, even now, two years later, question was that the right title for it. It was meant to uh, represent the whirling water in the uh, the container, and then obviously being swept away. Where to? Ooh, we don't know. Hopefully you've read it, or you wouldn't be listening to this. Get used to me saying that. Okay, so what can we unpack from that? Obviously we get a bit of the dynamics between Toniston and his mother, Tina. Uh, we also learn about the father. Uh, that's one thing with, with the dad. That was... I spoke about in the last episode, there was one particular cliche that I did roll with. Usually in these fantasies, the boy or the girl, the leading character is an orphan or one parent is dead, usually from a single parent family or orphaned for some reason. I'm not sure why that's a trope in fantasy, but it's there. Now, I did consider keeping both parents alive in very, very early days when the, the story was first developed. However, given the themes that we are going to explore within this series, that's the reason why one of the parents had to go. And it was very much a, a given who it would be, given what that person does in their job. Which, even though I just sat here and read what, eight pages, I've forgotten, did we mention what Trent's job is? Or did we mention that he just happens to be away all the time? I cannot remember my own book. How good is that? Yeah, so with the um with the dad, I didn't want to let that be known in chapter one. I sort of saved that. So I, we, we would know that he's an absentee father, but whether or not he's alive or dead or what, it will, you know, I saved that. I thought, you, got, you can't just dump a whole bunch of information on your audience. Otherwise, this podcast would be every chapter in one with all the information in one instead of spread out so I can actually think about it and try to remember what I had talked about five minutes beforehand. 
Talking Heads CD gets mentioned in this. That was very important. When um when I was first developing it, one particular song was always on rotation on my playlists. So I uh I cannot spoil what song that is because it may or may not get bought up again. I don't know. Originally the creek was called Skull Creek, but I thought no, it's a bit too on the nose. That's that's the sort of thing an amateur would do. <laughs> like everything be on the nose and everything be a reference and and all that, which. Even with a lot of the names, whilst I have been inspired by, you know, pop culture I love, you know, and, and named people certain things here and there after characters or filmmakers or whatnot, um, I've forgotten the point of what I was talking about. Oh, I didn't really do too much foreshadowing in names, because... Once you know the constellations in the sky, reading Harry Potter is not the same, because you kind of know Lupin and Sirius, the answers are right there. And a lot of other things, if you know, like Greek mythology or biblical names or terms or whatnot, and people use them, if you know those things, it, it just spoils it. If anything, I like puns, naming people with puns or alliteration. Obviously with Polly Princeton, Toniston Turnbull, Tina Turnbull, Trenton Turnbull, however Tina's maiden name is actually Wilkinson, and her name is Christina at that, which we'll find out in book two, or chapter 14, that'll begin. Uh, the pets, of course, the pets, we cannot forget Toniston's pets, considering he has just been dragged away from them. Who knows when we may see them again? So, there is Berry, Sherry, and Terry, the three cats. Please don't ask me to remember on the top of my head which one's which in terms of colours, because one of them's black and white, one of them's ginger, and I can't remember what the other one is, but they're there. And then there's the beautiful Whippet, Pepper who, um, you know, as a child growing up, throughout the 90s and the 2000s, the dogs we always had were whippets. When I say the dogs we always had, we had two dogs across that time, plus my sister had one, and all three of them were whippets. Well, one of them was an Italian greyhound crossed with a whippet, and her name was Whippy, because how imaginative are we? They probably should have let me name them, but I was only a child at the time, so I probably would have gone with Whippy. She was a beautiful little thing. And then we had Bonnie, who, when we got her when we first moved into our new house, and she ended up getting mange for quite a while. And the vet near us decided to try a new medicine. Wasn't sure if we were going to get to keep our puppy. I still have photos of her. And she was a puppy at the time too, and she was very, very sick. And then somehow it cured her, and she was a beautiful girl. I loved her. Like, these dogs, as soon as I'd, I'd come home from school, they'd hear my school bag come racing for me. Now remember, these are whippets. They may be skinny, but they're still whippets, and I'm skinny. I would always jump on the trampoline with them, and we'd roll around and get cuddles. And then my sister had one named Marmalade. It was a beautiful whippet as well, and it's funny because my parents... I am 35 years old. Still to this day, they tell me that those dogs ended up at a farm. Well, I know Whippy didn't because I, I got to say goodbye to Whippy. But Bonnie and Marmalade apparently went to a farm. Still, they are still telling me this. And I'm like, dudes, stop. You know, like, I'm an adult. I, like, I know. And I've, I've got a morbid sense of humor myself. So therefore, well, I wouldn't joke about my dead pets. But what I'm trying to say is, like, I can get over it. 
You know, I'm an adult, I'm a grown-up, I got balls, so let me just know that you killed my dogs, and let's be done with it. I may never forgive you for it, but at least I will know the truth. But not still, they maintain that they sent them off to a farm. How ridiculous is it? Tell me right now, you sitting there listening to this going, dude, they, they clearly took them and got, you know, put them, got them put down. Well, yes, I know this. You're not saying anything or thinking anything that I don't know. But they will not admit to it. And that's not cool because they were my beautiful pets. I've got a, a kitty cat now, my beautiful Anya, who uh, I'll no doubt I'm going to bring up through at least one of the podcasts many times. It's funny because 10 years ago when we had Buffy, so we've had Buffy, Willow, Cordelia for five minutes, and now Anya, there's a, a theme going on. Can you guess what it might be? Yeah, anyways, Buffy died the day before I went and saw Toy Story 3. So if you stop and think what happens at the end of that movie... Uh, even though it has a you know relatively happy ending, there's still that whole um, furnace scene or the inferno scene, and then there's the giving away of the toys at the end. And I tell you, I, I sat there, I just bawled my eyes out. It was so heartbreaking, and I can't hate Pixar for it because they didn't know, they weren't to know, were they? I can hate them for Toy Story Four though. Because what is wrong with you people? Why would you do that to us? I'm a... How old was I when it came out? I was 34 years old when Toy Story 4 came out. And I tell you what, I cried like I was fucking four. I bawled my eyes out at him. I cried more than I cried through Toy Story 3 because I was sad about my cat dying. But I tell you what, my heart broke. It snapped and it got shattered and and stepped on and ran into the ground and then they rolled it around in dog shit and then they kicked it into a fireplace and then jumped out of the fireplace and into the frying pan. That's what they did to me at the end of Toy Story 4. Bastards, it was a beautiful movie. It was so funny, but how dare you, Pixar? Who the hell do you think I... This is supposed to be about my books, but... Oh well. I'm talking pets and losing pets. I shouldn't talk about sad stuff because we just lost Toniston. So, ooh, what's going to happen there? Dunno. Guess we'll find out in episode three, chapter three, which I, as I said before, I have recorded. And I even had a voice for one of the characters and I don't think it was terrible. So I'll have to try to recreate that voice again because they do have a bit of a croaky, scratchy voice. Whereas I sound like my mum, so that's going to be difficult. Uh, one thing I wasn't sure about was, despite my reservations expressed uh, in the last episode, if they were reservations, uh, I wasn't sure whether or not I was showing too much or too little of Toniston bullying. Because it's all good and well to say... Here is Toniston, here is a bully. But then to see it happen will make the reader feel uncomfortable. Having it happen too much will turn them off him, and having it happen not enough will make them question it. So I still don't know whether or not having that one or two scenes at school and then hearing the aftermath of the day where he attempts to behave himself and fails miserably. Uh, so I still don't know if that's enough. Uh, but then again... We're at the very start of the novels, so who knows what's to come. Uh, but anyways, I think I have probably talked far too long. This is so far 50 minutes at recording. So, to round up, 
Make sure you check out our other programs. We've got Drag Race Debates and Thrash and Treasure battling each other over what's better, Broadway or heavy metal. Because let's face it, what is heavy metal other than socially acceptable opera? So, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Toniston Tales. The link below, or on the website, tonistontales.com. You'll find plenty of stuff there, books to buy, things to listen to. There's some fan art. Some kids did some artwork of my book. And when I saw it up the classroom wall, I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. Like, the beautiful artwork. They got it completely wrong, but that's fine, because I love it. Who cares if they got it wrong? It's the thought that counts, and they enjoyed the book enough to draw pictures of it. So, I'm lucky to have those pictures now. It was very exciting. And I've also seen someone had a friend of mine dressed his son up as one of the characters who we're about to meet. So I'll, I'll get talk about that next episode. But anyway, so I'm going to get going. Make sure you check out our other programs on the network. Follow us on social media. Sorry about the songs. Making sure I get everything in. And, and that's about it from me. So take care and I'll see you next episode. So there's some dickhead driving up and down the street on the main road, revving his engine, going back and forth. So I have to keep stopping and starting and restarting and restarting again and redoing what I've just said because he revved his engine through it. So to that person, go fuck. <laughs>